welcome to episode 24 of Fitness Unfiltered. I'm Jocelyn Thompson Rule, and today I speak with the amazing Debs and Holly of Nuco Nutrition. Now, Debs and Holly are nutrition coaches, and what I love about how they work is that they are very much about habit creation and habit change rather than calorie restriction eliminating the whole food group out of your diet and all of that jazz. So it's very much aligned with how I work in terms of what I think helps somebody work towards their success. And that's that's creating good habits that they can sustain over a long period of time. So I hope you enjoy the show. If you do, I would love for you to leave me a review on iTunes or wherever you are listening. That is all. Enjoy. Debs and Holes, how are you? Hello. How are you? Very well, thank you. I think this is the first time that I've actually interviewed two people on one show. So this is a this is a new one for me. Thanks, team. No worries. (laughs) I'll give you both an opportunity just to introduce yourselves first and then we will go from there. So hi, I'm Holes. I will start. So I am a CrossFit affiliate owner and nutrition coach with Debs. We actually met got about five years ago, um, having both done the same nutrition qualification. Um, we were both CrossFit coaches, shared a lot of the same ideas around what's important in training, what's important in nutrition, and we set up uh, Nuco Nutrition back in 2016. Yeah, so my background is psychology. I then was a finance director for a while before moving into CrossFit and nutrition coaching. Great. Okay, cool. I'm Debs. I started CrossFit coaching, I guess, about seven and a bit years ago now at my brother's affiliate over in Chelmsford. And then from there, moved over to Blitz CrossFit in Twickenham, where I currently coach now, as well as just recently joining the coaching team at Holly's affiliate, Train Inside Out, um, which down the road and yes we as Holly said we founded Nuco in 2016 and prior to that had kind of just done some one-to-one work um, with members within the affiliates. My background is in biology so that was kind of the key draws when we formed Nuco we thought it was quite a good combination to have the kind of science background and the psychology you put those two together you've got a pretty strong standpoint to help people make changes to their nutrition. Yeah, definitely. Psychology and biology together. And then obviously you've got the fitness piece as well. So really, really good. I love it. Okay. So for those that don't know, what is nutrition coaching? So I think um, how we like to think about nutrition coaching is that it's like any other type of coaching. So in our environment, we come across people who train a lot. And I think it's really widely accepted that you can benefit from being coached in training. Um, whether that's in a class environment or with a PT, you know, you need to be taught how to do the basics. So if you can't air squat, you know, you're never going to be able to get particularly strong. So you need to learn those basics, first of all. Nutrition coaching is actually really, really similar. People think that they should know what they should be eating, you know, eating something we all do every day, but actually quite often you need to dial it all back, undo bad habit, help to teach people how to behave, how to establish good habits, eat well for the long term. So, yeah, it's like being any other type. And I think also just to add to that, traditionally kind of nutrition coaching and making changes to your nutrition has been associated with dieting. 
and kind of meal plans and meal templates and it's getting people to understand that actually you're kind of entering into a process you're entering into a relationship with someone where we're going to kind of help you identify objectives identify goals that are personal to you provide you the tools to help you make changes and then also provide you with support along the way and the ability to kind of tweak those action points as your goals evolve and as you kind of evolve um, as a person as well. So it's that the ongoing process is kind of where the where the value in nutrition coaching is. Yeah, yeah, because that support piece is so well, you know, it's so you know important in fitness and training itself. And then, as you say, like people sort of think that the nutrition piece is just that side bit, but actually it needs as much, if not more support, because that's the very stuff that a lot of people are doing by themselves in their own time. Whereas in a coaching situation, often you're at least in a kind of one to one space, at least once a week or twice a week or whatever. So leaving people to go and do their own thing. You know, as trainers, you know, within that hour, you can influence that person's actions. But the other kind of 23 hours of the day where they're making all those other decisions that are really going to be contributing. And particularly within, I mean, within fitness as a whole and and even within CrossFit, although there is that element of competition and there's those that compete at like at the elite level, a lot of people who do CrossFit just want to look better and feel better. And there's nothing wrong with those goals. And those goals do need a lot of support through the nutrition side because that's, you know, even if you're coming in an hour a day and putting your heart and soul into the wad, if you're not taking care of things on the eating side, then you're never going to kind of get to those results that you want. Yeah, yeah, 100%. And I was looking at some stuff that you'd written um, previously, and obviously you've you've spoken at my Women in Fitness Summit before, or I just, I'm always just like, you just give so many takeaways. It's amazing that are really, really easy to apply to your kind of everyday life. But what I really like about the type of coaching that you do and the approach that you have is it's really grounded in habit creation. What I also liked, in the, I think it was the same post that I read, is that change isn't easy it's hard and actually just recognizing that and and having that in your mind as you move forward into that change process almost sets you up for more success than than failure in the sense you're like okay I know this isn't going to be that easy but I've got to keep chipping away so how what, what does that process look like when you when you start off with a client yeah, so um, when we very first start, we'll always do an in-depth questionnaire with our clients to understand what their current eating habits are like, what their lifestyles like, what their goals are, and everybody is very different. And we are never going to say to somebody, right, you need to totally overhaul your lifestyle. Um, what we do is build small habits one at a time, and they'll seem like small things at the time, but they very quickly add up. And then they're easy. They're simple, but they're not easy. What we won't do is say, here's a meal plan. This is exactly what you have to eat every day. Very few situations will we do that. And actually, sometimes when you're given something very black and white like that, it's easy to follow. And I think that's why traditionally a lot of people like to follow very rigid diets, which have success initially. And then once you stop following them, everything falls apart. Yeah. And to that point about simplicity what we try and prescribe are these habits that are very simple but as as Hull said it doesn't mean that they're easy to implement it's like like consistency is the most important factor in all of this whatever it 
the specific habit that you're trying to implement. And I think the way that we talk about habits, the reason that we prescribe people habits is because ultimately in the long run, we want them to develop behaviors and routines that come naturally and automatically. So eventually, yes, some of those behaviors will feel easier than at the beginning when you're having to make a conscious effort to change them. It doesn't mean that the process of doing that is easy. And I think that's such a common thing when, especially with nutrition, you know, it's always, we're always looking for a quick fix or a magic pill or some piece of information that we didn't know before that we think will make the world different. When in reality, it's just about consistently implementing that which you already know. I think that's hard for people to come to terms with because they want you to tell them that there's been some piece missing. And often the only piece that's been missing is that, is that they haven't been able to consistently execute what they know they already need to be doing. I, I almost kind of almost gives me an allergic reaction when people come up and they're like, yeah, just give me, give me a plan and I'm going to follow it. And there's so much almost stress just within that demand for give me that thing and I'm going to do it. And, it, and in my head, I'm always like, I just really, I really know that you're actually not going to do that. So when you have people who are used to kind of like, yeah, give me that plan, and I'm going to follow it. And then you're then completely stripping it back and going, no, I just want you to change one thing. For those super alpha people that are like, no, just give me it all and I'm going to do it now. How do they respond to that? I think quite often people do struggle with the whole idea at first. And so we're always really clear with our clients up front that it will feel slow at first and it should. And every single habit that we assign you, and generally that will be, we have a check-in every week. So typically we'll assign a new habit every week if they manage to get on well with the habit that we give them. They should feel absolutely confident that they can do that habit every single meal or every single day. If they feel completely confident, we've done too much too soon. And I think it's, it is, as Holly said, it's so important in the beginning to be clear about how your process works. You have to have the conversation and make, make sure that they understand that it is going to be one thing at a time and get them to be okay with that. And that doesn't always come immediately. Sometimes you have to kind of you have to go through a few few different, go down a few rabbit holes before you can get them to agree to, to that type of approach. You want to get someone into a position where they are, they will be able to trust the process that you're about to put them in because that's where you'll get the best results. And sometimes you do come, come up against resistance and you might have someone, you might assign them a habit and they come back to you and they say, oh, well, I've done this, this, this and this as well. And that's kind of, you know, that's fine. If, and they'll soon realize that as they get into week two, week three, week four and so on, you're, if you're still only holding them accountable to the habit that you've assigned, then those other things will just kind of fall away and they'll realize that it's that focusing on one yeah. thing is kind of the way forward. And I think... Well, you know, our whole approach is to develop habits so that eating well just becomes something effortless that you don't have to think about. Not something you need to focus on so hard all the time. And it is amazing how quickly these little habits just stack up on top of each other. Yeah. And what would, what would that look like? Could you give me an example of like, so, so that kind of habit building over, over time, what would that look like for, I don't know, makeup person? <laughs> 
initially for most people, um, we'd start out with something that would actually be related to um, what we call mindful eating. So sometimes it would just be as simple as every time you're about to eat something, just ask yourself two questions. How hungry am I? And do I really want to eat this? And there's no right or wrong answer. Um, it's just an exercise in awareness. So just being aware that you're picking something up and you're about to eat it and thinking about your hunger cues. So how hungry are you? What's telling you that you're hungry? That sounds really simple. It's nothing to do with what you're eating or how much you're eating. But actually just starting every time you eat to think about how your body's feeling and really want to eat it in itself could have quite a big impact. And just really creating that self-awareness, isn't it? Because I think both exercise and food can become really mindless. So people can go into the gym, they might do a class for an hour, they're not thinking about it, they're not mindful through their warm-up, they're not thinking about what their body's doing. And the same thing, we can just mindlessly, and you you don't even even remember what you've had, did it taste good, did it even want it? So yeah, no, no, I really, really like that. How do people generally take to that? Is it, because I would imagine, actually, I know that it's just two simple questions, but asking yourself that every time you eat is quite a lot, really. Yeah, I mean, most people probably eat between three to six times a day. Yeah, meal yeah. Meal. So it does quickly, quickly add up. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, that's a very simple one to start. And then, you know, we'd come on to, depending on the different person, we'd look at different habits. But one which for people who want to lose body fat in particular Mm -hmm. you know we think is probably the king of habits simply to eat slowly and so much harder than it sounds yeah I've tried I tried this after I listened to the the first woman in fitness summer I was like crap that took me way shorter than I had intended (laughs) yeah I mean we encourage people to have a go at spending 15 minutes eating every single meal and it doesn't sound like very much but if you set a timer and I think like it's, you know, every client is so different as well. That's the yes. thing. I wouldn't say there's like a kind of blanket. I mean, there's not a blanket protocol that we use with all people. So you might have, you know, some people like the, the people you were referring to earlier, Joss, who kind of want a little bit more to do. We start them on a habit that is more kind of tangible in terms of how they should compose their meals. For example, you know, depending on what their current food diary likes, include a portion of lean protein with each meal. Something very specific. Those decisions are kind of, you know, up to up to us as coaches to decide what we think will give each individual the most bang for their buck and what will have the kind of biggest impact initially to get them really bought into the process so that then we can layer on all of the other habits that we think will be beneficial. So I really like the the mindful eating one and then the eat slowly one. And at, at the moment, outside of the stuff that you've just said, Debs, of like maybe adding, you know, lean protein to, to each meal or whatever, they're still just actions around food and awareness rather than the food itself. And I think that people get so stuck in mm. by the calories or, what you know, cutting out this or cutting out that, that actually that's it's got – absolutely nothing to do in those initial stages with anything like that and is that you know it's kind of completely changing that perception of how actually you 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 eat in a healthful way both obviously mentally and for your for your body as well would you mind just building again so you've got the the mindful eating and you've got eat slowly what would maybe another 
uh, one or two habits look like? Obviously, I'm totally using this for myself as well. <laughs> so I think this is actually, this, I'm just actually having a consultation here. Sorry, everyone. <laughs> so one common um, habit that we end up working on with people probably sooner than they imagine that has actually nothing to do directly with your food is sleep. A lot of our clients have, you know, busy jobs. They commute into into London every day. They've got families. They're training early in the morning. And, you know, by looking at their lifestyle, we may deem that focusing on their sleep and getting some improvement in that area would be the biggest, have the biggest impact for them. And so establishing a sleep routine and improving quality and where necessary duration of sleep probably something that you can appreciate right now Joss <laughs> but yeah looking at something like is establishing sleep routine would be another another habit that we would work on and that kind of is the key to improving the quality of your sleep and the duration of your sleep um, yeah you need to do that yeah, 100%. Cool. So again, we've done nothing around food. I'm loving this nutrition coaching. Okay, so my main thing, eat slowly, um, better quality sleep. And then and then what, what, would one, what would one more thing be? Um, so I think, so we talk about an actual food one now. Um, and Deb said, so she's um, mentioned a part of this already. Everybody's very different. And when you look at people's food diaries and the way they eat, their food preferences, people will vastly need different things. But typically, we encourage clients to eat balanced meals every time they eat. So that means breakfast, lunch, dinner, and snacks. And a balanced meal means having some form of lean protein, some fruit or veggies, a little bit of healthy fat, not too much. And depending on goals and training levels, um, some starchy carbs. Typically, the things that tend to be missing or slightly too low in clients are the protein or the veggies and the one that people commonly find difficult at first are veggies at breakfast everybody should be eating veggies at breakfast <laughs> um, it's the habit um, it becomes completely natural um, but say of all the meals breakfast is the one that people seem to eat very different foods at and actually you know we encourage people to think about every meal as being something that you could eat the same food at so breakfast dinner snacks yeah no really really good and of course lots of people rush breakfast or don't have it at all or what happens to people when they start doing that mindful eating they're they're creating awareness what what are they feeding back to you within that well hopefully uh, once they kind of become more aware of what they're putting in their body they stop overeating I think it's yeah. the quite common things because yeah. When you eat fast and when you eat without kind of any any mindfulness about what you're putting in your body, it's really easy to overeat and eat foods that don't necessarily align with your goals. So, you know, if you're trying to get lean and you're, you come home every day after work and you kind of raid the fridge mindlessly before dinner, then that's you know, you're probably consuming too many calories overall and that's not helping you kind of get towards your goals. Whereas when you start actually considering at every every time you eat what you're putting into your body, you probably start to notice that you are eating a little bit less, I would yeah. say. Yeah, and quite often it's not that people are 
intentionally, you know, eating loads of rubbish, it's really often just habit driven. You know, I think particularly for people who work in offices, um, and I worked in an office for a long time, so I know what it's like whenever it's somebody's birthday, cakes are brought in, or the kitchen with loads of stuff on the side. And it's really easy to get into a habit of just, you know, in the afternoon thinking, oh, I'm a bit peckish, I'm going to go and, you know, have a look or see what's in the kitchen. You know, if you're doing that five days a week, having a piece of cake or a couple of biscuits, that can quickly add up. So becoming aware of your habits and then changing the way that you respond to the things that trigger your habits is something we like to work on. Yeah, because I, um, I was actually at a talk today and one of the guys, I, I might be wrong with stats on this, um, but from memory, he was saying something like 90% of your day is, is habit driven. Is that, is that, would that be about right? Yeah, I've heard <laughs> it, yeah, it, yeah. I mean, if, if you think about it from the very moment that you wake up, you will be a creature of habit. So you can divide people into the people who hit the snooze button and the people who jump out of bed. Very rare you get somebody who says, oh, sometimes I'll snooze, sometimes I'll get up. You know, from the moment you're waking up, you're either hitting the button or you're doing something else. And, you know, another one, you know, when you brush your teeth, you will brush your teeth in the same quarter every time, top or bottom, right or left. Next time you you don't think about it, but you'll always go to the same side you always put the same sock on first yeah 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 as, as you say those things I'm like yeah I totally do, yeah. I do, I do. bottom left first <laughs> and I think it's you know it's important to remember that it's that way for a reason if we constantly had to consciously think about every tiny decision that we make throughout the day we'd be absolutely exhausted by 9am yeah um, <laughs> I mean habits are amazing and like, they often get a bad rep people think about bad habits that they want to break but, you know, yeah, like Dev said, if you had to think every time that you were commuting to work about which platform you had to go to to get the train, it's just using up mental energy. So habit just let us get on with thinking about the important stuff. And that's why that goes back to it's almost like if you imagine you're an autopilot going throughout the day. And every time you eat, you're in those, you know, repetitive routines that you carry out each day making people become more mindful about their eating and trying to change those habits is kind of like tapping on their shoulder at each mealtime and saying like, hey, wake up. Like, is what you're doing aligning with your goal right now? It's stopping that autopilot and making you think about it. And that's why it's hard. That's why change is hard. It has to be really forced at first in order to make those changes. So it's so instilled. It's like if you, yeah, if you move, we've recently moved some things around in our kitchen and the kettle's now on the other side. And I still, even three weeks later, I'm still the same <laughs> old place because it's just so ingrained. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. But that's- Which, as you say, if it's a good habit that's ingrained, fantastic. Yeah. It's, it's undoing those undoing those bad habits and also um again this is another another psychology question i think it's it takes less to undo a bad habit than to create it is that right um, no i'm asking the wrong question so all habits whether they're it's bad habits or neutral habits and most of our habits are neutral you know they're just things that we do they're not good or bad um, but every single habit follows the same process so there will be something that triggers it. 
be a response that you make to that trigger and then there'll be an outcome. Um, and it's called a habit loop. And when you do this over and over again, that's when a habit's formed. So the trigger could be a stressful commute on the way home. Your response, you know, on several occasions might be to open the door, grab a beer from the fridge, you have a drink. The outcome is that you feel relaxed and you're like, oh, okay, that horrible is over. I'm home, relaxed. So over time, having that beer, your mind says this is going to cause me to relax. So it's just your natural reaction that that's what you do to get out. If you become, a, you know, if you think back and you think, okay, I, I recognize the trigger for this behavior is when I have a stressful commute, you then change your response to something, if you want to be cutting down your drinking, to something that gets you more towards your goals. So it could be have an apple or a cup of tea. Over time, that will then become your calming response. And then you yeah, rather than the beer or yeah, but it's recognizing the trigger rather than waiting until it's too late. How do you go about recognizing the trigger? Is that is that still going back to the mindful eating piece, or is it like a separate thing where you would recognize? Do you know what I've done this and that's not great, and why did I do that? Oh, it was because of this. Like how how does one kind of figure out? Oh, actually, okay, this sets me off to do this. There's a few different ways. One of the tools that we use with clients is something called a, it's a behavioral awareness worksheet. And you basically, once you identify, you know, a habit that you have deemed as, as bad or not in line with your goals, you then basically work backwards and try and understand what the trigger for that behavior is. So if it's something you notice that you do every day, okay, every day I come in and grab a beer from the fridge then you work your way back and hopefully you will identify what the trigger for that behavior is, i.e. the stressful commute. Yeah. Right. Okay. And I think okay. to be clear, I just, uh, um, I don't want us to sound as if we're saying you shouldn't ever have a beer. Um, <laughs> no, obviously not. <laughs> people struggle with that. So they, they'll say, you know, oh, I've been really bad because I had a beer. Mm. And actually, if you're having it for the right reasons and you're enjoying it and, you know, it's a part of a social occasion or whatever, that's absolutely great. It's when things become habitual that they can derail you. Yeah, yeah. And do you, because obviously, you know, often there can be a lot of guilt around food as well. And that can kind of go back to maybe even, you know, childhood or whatever. Do you still approach it in the same way? Or do you try to undo some of that stuff from from before? Is, is it just still going back to layering on new habits? Guilt around food is a big issue for a lot of people. But I think with the process that we take, we try very hard not to let people ever feel guilty about something. So if you're going through the mindful eating process and you're identifying what is actually important to you, why you actually want to address your nutrition, and there are some deep motivational factors there, which when you dive into them generally are more important than just, I want to lose half a stone. Um, I think when you get into those factors and you get into mindful eating, generally those kind of guilty feelings lessen over time. And I think when people do feel guilty, you know, you've just got to treat it as a learning. There's, there's no point in feeling guilty about something. You can learn from it and move on and think about how you might approach a similar situation in the future yeah because it doesn't serve you does it the kind of 
that that feeling like yeah there's no there's no benefit of of the feeling of guilt it just kind of escalates and you continue to feel bad about it to add to that point one other thing that we're quite conscious of within our communications with clients whether it's speaking to them face to face at the gym or via email if they you know we bring try and bring awareness to that kind of language so someone says oh I was really bad this weekend and did xyz we won't just respond and say no you weren't bad it's you know food's neutral it's neither good nor bad we'll say you know think about how you're it's interesting how you perceived this weekend to be bad why do you think that is delving too deep into the kind of psychology of it just making people think about the way that they talk about food because it's so important especially for people who have lots of our clients have children and just bringing awareness to how we the language that we use around food and eating and how that impacts our view of it and how we feel about it to that point with with children as well obviously the language that we use can affect the children as yeah, well absolutely yeah we'll be oh mummy's really normal having a piece of cake like yeah thinking about what kind of messages that's sending and it's yeah. so difficult because it's so ingrained yes i know, yes. I know my my mum probably did it when yeah. I was growing up. I think everyone did. And even yeah. and it's really hard to stop yourself because it's so kind of ingrained into people's attitudes towards food or the old, oh, if you if you do this, we'll get an ice cream later. Or Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's really tough. I had a client and actually we, in the end, sort of parted ways partially as a result of this. But um, I remember she brought, she had three three girls and she brought them uh, in, in the half term. She used to bring them in when BJ and I had the PT studio and they'd kind of sit and play on a mat and so on and, and we'd train. And I remember one time she brought the girls in and the eldest one had got to only have been maybe six at the time or something like that. And she she said she said to her, tell Jocelyn what you ate, Miss Piggy. I mean, already, I'm already dying when I'm hearing this. Yeah. Um, and she poked her in the tummy. And I said, oh, what did you have to eat? She said, oh, I had a cupcake. And I said, oh, well, you know, did you have your dinner before? You know, did, did, you, did you eat your whatever? And she said, yeah, it was, it was a treat after. And I said, oh, great, fantastic. Was it delicious? And I, but in my head, I was just like, wow. Like, what is that even? I, I, I was just, I was so mad because I was like, you've just poked her in the tummy. You've just, you know, outed her to me saying, tell Jocelyn what you had. Like, so all of this guilt, calling her Miss Piggy, I was just like, that is an eating disorder waiting to happen. Probably not very far from, from now, you know? Oh, it's often, it's not done with malicious intent. They're not trying to create that situation. They're just, that may, perhaps they're even thinking, oh, this will motivate this will make me you know a good parent because I'm encouraging healthy eating and I'm holding what I deem to be bad eating but it's as you there's so many there's so many other issues that then arise as a result of that and I guess it's just bringing people's awareness to it but it's a really delicate situation I think as well a lot of people think that there is such a thing as a perfect diet that probably doesn't do cupcakes but you know, there really isn't such a thing as a perfect diet. And people often say to us, oh, you know, I bet you don't eat cake or, you know, yeah. you're eating cake. They're like, what, you're eating cake? You're a coach. Yeah. yeah. One of yeah. my, 
I, I always tell this story kind of when we have seminars and talks, but whenever I'm in our local Waitrose, because Twickenham is quite small, people yeah. literally run away from me in the supermarket. And you just kind of think, and that that's something that we really have to work on because we don't want to be perceived as kind of, you know, the food, the police. food police and places. And it's making people understand that, you know, we love food and that's what we do. You know, that's why we do occasionally post photos of ourselves eating ice cream just to kind of bore that like reality check that it's not all kale chips. (laughs) (laughs) We do enjoy enjoy nice food often, you know. And it is, it's just developing that good relationship with food that doesn't have guilt surrounding it or that there's this kind of reward system around having a treat or whatever it is or even cheat days or whatever it's like make me crazy but it's just yeah have a good relationship with food so there's there's not this thing around it but but I get like so much of that can start even from a very young age so it's tough to to undo and I think that's kind of the beauty of the habit-based approach as well is that it is it is scalable you know it's not black and white so it's not did you eat everything that was on the meal plan? Yes or no? It's like, how did your habit go this week? Okay, well, it went really well. I managed to do it five out of seven days or, oh, I struggled this week. I only did a couple of days. So not totally black and white. And it allows for that. It's that kind of leniency yeah. that then allows you to keep encouraging people and for them to stay motivated. Like the We often have clients who travel for work or go on holiday and being able to give them something that's really simple. For example, okay, if you're going on holiday, all I want you to focus on for this week is to eat slowly. And often that that fits in quite well with when people go on holiday because they have more time for meals, etc. And it's so nice because they then feel like they're still working, they're still progressing, but without feeling super restricted. Yeah, no, I really like that. So the, the habits can change depending. Yeah. Is that what you're saying on, on what it's kind of, okay. Everybody, okay. Everybody's different. So um, we'll assign habits to clients based on, um was already said, you know, what gives the most bang for buck. So with somebody, it might be that eating slowly is really great. With somebody else, they might already do that. So it might be more important to focus on the actual balance of, you know, what's on their plate or increasing their protein levels or veggie levels. So a lot of the habits will be the same for different people, um, but often we'll put them in different orders. Yeah, and then they can kind of, you can bring focus to a to an old habit as well that perhaps you started yeah. with. You can always bring focus back to those real basics. It's, it always helps to recover yeah. the basics. Well, what's really nice is quite often after you know, a period of time, so say three months, quite often clients will suddenly have this light bulb moment where they'll realize that something that they did at the very beginning, which felt hard, has now just become complete second nature. Yeah, which is really nice. And then so when they're when they're starting off again with those with those habits, let's let's say if it took them two or three weeks to to just get into that that mindful eating, is is that when you layer the next one on, when you sort of think that they've nailed the first one or if they if they've done, let's say with the mindful eating if they've had like let's say 50% of the week doing that would you layer something on the next week or you make sure that they nail that one first before you add on the extra layer 
So I think there, there, there'll be two options. So depending on the person, um, we might keep on plugging away at that habit until they have mastered it. Or we might just say, okay, let's forget about that one for now and we'll move on. Okay, so it's, if, it, if it wasn't successful, maybe it's, it's that you're trying something new instead. Yeah, and it's quite it's quite a collaborative effort in terms of the habit assignment. So we'll have conversations with them and kind of ask them what they want to focus on at the moment. And then, yeah, just working with each individual basically will help to determine which direction it goes in. Yeah. And what's what's nice about, I think, the habits as well is that it's very process goal driven rather than anything else and it and it, to me always and, and people listening there's there's kind of three types of goals there's outcome goals performance goals and, and process goals and an outcome goal might be something like you want to win the London Marathon that's not something you've got full control of you don't have control of, over, over the other competitors over the weather that day all of those things mm. uh, then a performance goal is something that you do have control of it would be a goal let's say you want, if you want to do the marathon in sub four hours then that's an actual personal performance goal and um, then process goals are all of the habits really that you have to put in place to get yourself to that sub four hour marathon so it might be something something as simple as committing to training four times a week not even looking at what the training is necessarily but just the, the habit around the training um, and that's that's what all of these things seem like they're very very process goal driven it seems and you there's just that so you sort of check off these milestones along the way and so you feel those mini success points along the way as well which obviously then leads to the overall goal that they're working towards and I think that is kind of, that's quite a conscious decision on our part you know focusing on the process and also rewarding consistency in the process yeah you know one of the measures that a lot of people use with the nutrition is you know your body weight or your body fat percentage and yes you may see you know improvements in those areas you know they're not the thing that you've been working on so we'd prefer to reward a client for consistently like following their habit say well done you've lost x kilos because as we all know you know those things can fluctuate outside of your control actually you know what you quite often hear people start out with a fat loss goal but it's the things that come that they don't expect like the improved sleep quality the improved energy you know better. all of those things you know they're hard to measure but that's the important stuff scale is just an arbitrary number really and speaking of scales and body composition and all that jazz um let's talk a little bit about body composition and and yeah I guess people wanting to lose fat people wanting to to train around that I know that it can it can be a bit of a taboo subject now we want to always just talk about feeling healthy and all of that stuff but it is okay actually to want to lose a bit of body fat tissue it is okay to want to look better and I almost feel like now people are scared to talk about that because we shouldn't be talking about how we look or but actually do you know what if you're looking you know like you've you've lost maybe some of the weight that you need to lose for your own health purposes you will feel better and that's okay and it's okay to feel good because you look better physically yeah, like feeling really confident in your body is an amazing thing yeah yeah 100 percent and you can link it into training as well, I think. A lot of people, you know, if, if clients come to us and they have training goals specifically within CrossFit, like I'd say one of the most common goals with women is I want to get a strict pull-up. I want to be able to do pull 
And, you know, if you're carrying a significant amount of excess body fat, then, you know, if you do something about that, if you lose body fat, it's that's going to help you get a strict pull up. And those, I think, as you said, like it's it's not being afraid to say those things because it's not it's not saying it in a it's not judging anyone. It's just a kind of statement of fact. Yes, if if that's what you want to be able to do, yeah, then... yep, 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 definitely. And then and then what about um, nutrition around performance? To be honest, people stress a lot about this, but actually, yeah. nutrition for elite athletes is not actually that different to nutrition for the general person. Like mm-hmm. there, there will be things that they need to focus on differently. And typically for people who train a lot or who train for their livelihood, the basics are still there, but just quite often they'll need to eat more. You know, as simple as that. They still need to cover exactly the same things as normal people. Um, professional athletes typically will um, feel slightly like a step further away from nutrition in an emotional sense. Um, they'll see it more as fueling their training and their performance. Part of a job in that context. Yeah. So it's very, you know, part of your job is eating the the things that you need to eat in order to be the optimum body composition for your sport. Yeah. When you think of people who are training, you know, they, they need to focus on their nutrition. They need to focus on their sleep, uh, probably to the detriment of other things in their life. So um, people who are, Training professionally will have to say no to social occasions. They'll probably see less of their friends and family than they might like to, but they're sacrifices that they're willing to make in order to achieve their goals. So, and often I think like uh, it's defining like performance. You know, I think performance is a term that's like thrown around quite a lot, well, especially within like the fitness community. But mm. it's like how important is unless you're a professional or it's what you do full time, like how really important is your performance to you? And are you willing to sacrifice lots of other things in order to get those kind of 1% gains? Yeah. With with most of the type of clients that we work with, their, their performance would improve by getting to a better body composition, whether that is losing fat or gaining muscle they probably need to do one of those two things in order to be at a, an optimum body composition for you know crossfit for example mm. so actually, mm. even if they're saying my goal is performance actually their habits and their routines are going to be geared towards changing their body comp so that they can perform better yeah 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 no really good and and still as you say like it's those same thing the same thing that's going to make the the athlete better is is sleep is just paying attention to what they're fueling themselves with so it's the same it's the same thing as your everyday person that just wants to you know feel and and look healthier yeah and I think like it again it's that horrible answer it depends but you'll as a you know as an elite athlete or as a competitive athlete then there will be other things like you know considering competition day nutrition which will have you know a few more pieces to it but in general yeah it's the same principles probably just with some adjusted quantities if you're uh, you know if you train one hour a day and, and then you spend the rest of the day in an office you're going to need probably significantly less fuel than someone who's training full-time for five hours a day 
in that sense as well, quite often people will look at, you know, a professional athlete and see what they're eating and think, well, okay, if I want to be as good as them, that's what I need to eat. But <laughs> not the case most of the time. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. And I, I think as well, one of the what I feel with people when it comes to, to food and when it comes to um, training is that they always think kind of more is more not even in terms of volume but just like the more intense the more everything it is that's what's going to get me the results and in actual fact what you are saying is you know those simple daily habits done consistently is what is going to get you from from a to b and it's not not that it's not exciting but it isn't it isn't that kind of like groundbreaking it's just simple simple things done consistently over time create big 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 change yeah it's not that sexy is it <laughs> no exactly the, the, the dull things we do but then that then that does get the the sexy stuff whatever your goal is that's the kind of sexy thing but it's it's those kind of I don't want to use the term boring but they sort of can be because people think that it takes more but actually it takes a lot less mm. but it's just that commitment and that consistency towards it that is then really difficult it's so, in, it's so true in many areas aside from nutrition and training you know yeah even in in kind of business or in your personal life like mm-hmm. you, consistency generally kind of trumps any complexity yeah normally you don't need to complicate things you just need to keep them simple and do them well yeah I had a bit of a, a light bulb moment actually the other day with that in terms of business stuff and I just kind of sat down and I was like wait I'm actually all the things that are actually gonna make things work I'm actually already doing but I had sort of put those behind me and I'm looking forward to the next thing instead of actually going do you know what that all of that stuff that you've set, set in place already do that and do that consistently for the next nine months and see how you go. You know, it's really interesting because you can constantly kind of reach, you know, forward and forward and forward and forward. And I'm terrible in that sense. I'll always like, right, what's the next thing? What's the next thing? Instead of actually going, right, you set this up, do this, yeah. chill your beans <laughs> and then see where you are. Yeah, you know, I think in- it's really common now. We all put ourselves under a lot of stress. And actually, we have to remember that we're living our lives, you know, We'll get on with living a life, not worrying about achieving something by, you know, changing everything and working really hard towards it right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And on that, business girls, obviously I love fitness business and all that. So what what got you obviously you you decided that, you know, putting the psychology piece together and the biology piece together and obviously you'd both done the same nutrition course, what made you take that next step and set up NUCO? I think we thought that combined we could provide a better service to clients and start to build kind of a base for resources, for discussion to, yeah, to help just deliver the kind of highest quality of of service to people. Yeah. Two heads are better than one. Yeah. (laughs) And, you know, when, you know, we, don't have any secret pill you know we don't give our clients some secret piece of information or the magic habit I think you know we always want to be very open about that and you know share as much information as we can um yeah and I think we also had a when we first started talking about setting up a nutrition business we both had a kind of overriding desire to like share our philosophy 
about nutrition with a wider audience. So beyond just people who we work with on a one-to-one basis, we both feel really strongly because you see, we see people every day who come in and, you know, they are working on their fitness. They come in and they work hard to try and be like a healthier, better version of themselves with all of the like barrage of information that's out there on how to eat, how to eat well and diets, etc. We just wanted to provide like just real advice, like advice that's real. It's not, you know, it's not packaged and in a shiny box. It is just real. And we both felt very strongly about like that being our approach. And that was kind of the driver behind setting up Nuco. Yeah. Yeah. And it put, it puts people back in the, in the driving seat as well. It makes them fully take control. And obviously you support them massively along the way. Yeah. Um, but it, it, they're then in control of their actions and they have to take ownership of their actions because often, you know, whether it's a training session, like that's a transactional service, you, you know, someone will pay you the money and then they expect you to get them fit. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it's something that I, I will always say to people if I was, you know, in consultation with them is, after, you know, after I've kind of gathered all of the information, I'll often say, you know, now what do you think you need to do to achieve this goal just to get a sense of do you think I'm going to do all of this for you because honey listen let me tell you <laughs> you've got to pull those socks up and exactly. get going exactly. but sometimes when there's that exchange of money people are like yep yeah, I've sorted that problem now I've, I've thrown some money at it that they're gonna they're gonna fix me but what you do is you go right you're doing we're guiding you yeah, yeah. you've got to do this you've got to make this this change and the results are down to you. We're just there to guide you um, and give you the simplest path to get there without you having to go away and get through the minefield of information that's out there yourself. You know, we'll strip it, strip it back to basics, give you the tools, and, uh, yeah, I'm afraid you've got to go and do the work. Yeah, exactly. People have to put the work in themselves, and I think it's tough now as well. And, like, one of the things that we've been through with NUCO is that, like, I think there's a big expectation now, people in general, for people want some, always want something for free, especially information. There's just such an abundance of it. And as Holly said, you know, we've never been like secretive about what we do, like pretty much, you know, everything that how our process works with our clients. We're very open about it. It's just about making people understand that the it's the process that you're kind of paying for. It's getting the process and being coached along the way that's what you're investing in and do you and I I completely agree because why 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 would you withhold information that's valuable yeah to like everyone basically it's not doing anyone any favors by you by you holding them back but yeah they have to go through the process themselves I'm sure it's it's a, a lot easier for for some than it than it is for others but the process is the process that doesn't change right yeah exactly and accountability is really important as well you know there's there are some types of people who will just go off and do something um but most of us need a little bit of accountability and it helps yeah having somebody there at the end of the week to you know check in with uh, yeah and do you apply then going going back to the business side of things do you do you apply then the straight the same strategy to your business in terms of keeping things simple, being consistent. Yeah, yeah. 
our coaching is almost all individual now. We're on, you know, pricing strategies and how long we want you to sign up for to start with. And yeah, there, there's nothing hidden. It's uh, mm. just all, all very simple. Yeah. Yeah. They're really nice. Especially within business, like you have to be consistent in order to build trust, um, yeah. and build relationships, whether, yeah. it, you know, regardless of who that's with, it's, you know, you have to do what you have said you're going to set out to do and yeah keeping things simple and just following through consistently is really important in in business practice yeah no really nice I love it I love it team thank you so much I feel like, again, like I'm just going to apply all of these habits to myself. And like I said, I've just had this like mini revelation on the business side of things of like, Jocelyn, you idiot. Like you've been doing all the things that you need to do, you've been doing. Just keep doing those and stop yeah. looking for the next tiny freaking object. <laughs> like, oh, I'm just going to try this. Oh, that's a good idea. So where, where can people find out more about you? And do you have any workshops or anything coming up? We don't at the moment. People can contact us via, we've got our Instagram page, which is nuco, N-U-C-O dot nutrition. Um, yeah. You can ping us a message on there. Also, you can drop us an email on hello at nuconutrition.uk. Great. Thank you. Thank you. Well, what a pleasure. Thank you so much. And I just really, really like the way you, you work and that everything around food is actually obviously it is about food but it's it's about that ownership and the, and the habit creation that we have to be responsible for and that's pretty much applicable to every area of our lives really just to set that awareness and then go right okay something something needs to change here let me keep it very very simple and just and then just change that over over time it's really really good there's, there's less pressure um, around it I feel then they're kind of like right I'm just going to go for it and do this and yeah and then you just flop and, and nothing gets gets done and so I just really really like it as an approach I really like you as a pair you work so well together you are wonderful and then hopefully we can do some more stuff this year which is already fleeting by because it's already May oh god team thank you so 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 much again Thanks for having us. I will speak to you both very soon. All right. Take care, John. Okay. Cheers. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.